Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. Hey, why don't you take two minutes right now, turn to someone sitting next to you, just welcome them to church, tell them Merry Christmas, tell them how great they look today. I want to take a moment right now and just welcome everybody watching online. We are so thankful and honored that you would join us for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, And I want to thank everyone here as well, both here and online, for prioritizing the house of God and Jesus and and, uh, celebrating Christmas. It's a little bit of irony when people say, I can't make it to church because of Christmas. Uh, What better place to celebrate the birth of Jesus than in the house of Jesus? Amen. Amen. So I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but I just want to say welcome. My name is Pastor Emilio. I'm one of the pastors here as well, alongside so many other amazing people who lead this church, and it's just a joy and an honor. I want to thank you all for being here. I also want to just like kind of let you know where we've been. So over the last few weeks, we've been in a sermon series on the book of John, which is the fourth gospel and the fourth book in the New Testament. Um, and it has been so rich. Over the past few weeks, Pastor Chris and Pastor Robin have done an amazing job giving you some information on the backstory of the book of John and the person of John, the disciple, and um, so I'm not going to take too much time diving into details, but John does give us a unique perspective, a small glimpse into his revelation of the coming of Jesus, the birth of our Savior, um, which we call Christmas. And so today, what I want to do is I just want to pick up right where we left off, and we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 9. John, chapter 1 and verse 9. I want to give you a little bit of time to get there in your Bible. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, the first chapter, the ninth verse. And then also, I'm going to be reading John, chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. So can we put John 1, 9 up there on the screen for us? Yes. Okay, John 1 and 9 says, the true light, somebody say true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So right here, John introduces this idea that there's a light. Not only is it a light, but it's the true light. And this true light gives light to everyone. And this light was coming into the world. Uh, Let's go ahead and put verse 14 up there, 14 through 18. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know because of past teachings that when John here in the first chapter uses the word word, he's referring to the person of Jesus. This is a word that Pastor Robin taught us called logos, the word made flesh. So in, it says, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Different John, they're talking about John the Baptist here. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. 16. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. 
It says, who is at the Father's side, he being Jesus, has made him God known. I want to I jump right in today into a Christmas message that might be a little bit um, off the beaten path. A little different than maybe a traditional Christmas story. I pray that over the next few minutes that we could open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to wonder, and our hearts to receive a fresh take that would lead us to a new perspective on the season of Christmas. A fresh take that would lead us into a, a new perspective of the Christmas season, and more specifically, the Christmas day. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you're going to do. God, right now, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to wonder, and our hearts to receive your word. We know that everything fades and everything withers, but your word stands forever. Holy Spirit, we give you full reign in here. And our prayer is that you would reveal more to Jesus, more of Jesus to us now than when we came in. We pray all of this in your son's name, and everybody says amen. 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 Hey, um, when I was reading this uh, John chapter 1, verse 9, I thought it was very interesting. So through the book of John, we see that John references Jesus in a couple different ways. The first of which is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then it tells us in 14 that that word became flesh. And contextually, we know through scripture that the word was referring to Jesus. Jesus was at the beginning. Jesus uh, was there from that moment, from, from existence, Alpha and Omega. God has no beginning and no end, but for a point of reference, when God allowed time to become a thing, Jesus has been there. But he also refers to Jesus here as a true light, a true light. And that stood out to me for a couple reasons, one of which Christmas lights that's my favorite part of Christmas. I love Christmas lights. I love driving around and seeing all the people that decorate their home. Um, I remember the first time I ever went to a house in Houston when I was in Bible college, and you could turn your radio station to a certain, you know, channel, and music would play, and it was like some rock song, and the lights were like dancing along, you know, and like it's come a long way since then. I remember thinking like, who has the time and money to like do this sort of stuff, you know, like it's pretty wild, but it was really cool. I love Christmas lights, and, and it got me thinking not just about Christmas lights, but lights in general. Why a light? Why was Jesus the light here, a true light? And when we think back over history and time, um, it got me thinking of how we have always interacted with light. Like, there was a time in the history and the creation of man where to do or to see or to operate, we had to have natural sunlight. The sun would come up, we would do whatever we did, it gave life to our crops, life to us and the animals. We were completely reliant on light, natural sunlight. Somewhere along the lines, though, like in down the road, um, Benjamin Franklin, I think, invented a lightning rod, and then someone named Thomas Edison invented a lightning bulb, and there's been these progressions, and with electricity and other science that is way above my head, we began to be able to create our own 
own sort of light. All the lights that you see in here, nothing in this room is natural lighting. It is all artificial, unnatural lighting. And we have begun, ever since the invention of that, to take light, something that we used to rely on, and turn it into a resource that is specifically for ourselves. We use light for our own gain. We use light so that we can see things. When it's at night, we turn on our headlights. We turn lamps on. And, and you know, back in the old days, some of you remember, like in my grandmother's house, lights used to have like a little beaded rope and then some sort of shoestring low enough for the kids to reach and you would pull that and the light would click on right and then someone said hey that's kind of lame like no one wants to reach up and pull this thing let's let's invent a light switch and so they put switches on the wall right and then you have like rocker switches and faders and all this stuff and someone says you know what I really don't want to have to walk to the wall anymore that's kind of tough and so all I want to do is lay down on my couch and be able to just you know, and then that, you know, that's exactly what would happen, right? And then it was like, okay, when it's time to walk around, and then they would come back on, right? The clapper, it's a genius invention, you know? You got to give it to the person who came up with that. Someone down further the line was like, you know what? Clapping burns way too many calories. I can't do this. I don't even want to get up anymore. I don't want to move my hands. I don't do anything. I just want to say, Alexa, turn off the lights, please. Okay, Google, turn them back on, right? And this is the world we live in because we have taken light, this thing that we so relied on, and we have made it all about our own self. How can light serve me? How can I use light to benefit myself and push my own agenda and get things out of it? And, and it turned into a resource. It's the same thing we do with all resources, but it's also the reason why I find it so, so interesting that John chose to use the word light in, in referencing Jesus. And I believe the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me as I prepared for Christmas in the same way that we treat natural light is the same way that we treat our spiritual light. Like there used to be a time in spiritual life way back and maybe even in our own personal lives where we relied on the true light of Jesus. Like it was only Jesus that could light our step, that could light our path, that gave us direction. We went nowhere without his vision. We went nowhere without him speaking a word, that light that came from God. But then as we progress through time, whether it's linear in the world or our own life and our walk of faith, we allow other things to artificially light our life. All of a sudden our careers and our successes are illuminating things in our life. We, we gain false hope and, and false uh, peace through these other areas that are far from Jesus. You know, there's a term in city coding, I'm assuming, I don't know who uses the term, but it exists out there, that's called light pollution. Some of you might have heard of this term. Light pollution is a term used because there, there can be in certain areas of cities so much artificial lighting that it affects the way that you see and interact with natural lighting. Next time you're in a big city, you're in Houston or Dallas or San Antonio, Austin. I would say San Marcos, but I don't really think it's going to work here. Uh, in a big city, you're downtown. It's at night. All the buildings are lit up. Everything's, you know, whatever. Look up in the sky and see if you can see stars. You won't be able to. The reason you don't see stars when you're downtown of a big city is because light pollution is because there is so much artificial light in your area that it affects your ability to see the natural light. As soon as you leave and you hit a back road and you go 
to a, a country road or a desert or the monte or wherever it is that you are, look up in the sky. Sky as big as Texas, millions of stars shining bright. Those stars were there the whole time. What happens is that you remove the artificial light out of the equation, and it allowed you access to be able to engage, see, natural light. And I got to thinking, how much or how many times do I do that with Jesus? How much of my life is so full of artificial light that when I look up sometimes, I can't even see the true light of Christ? What's the other side of that coin? Maybe for some of you, you're saying, you know what? It's not a light problem. It's actually a darkness problem. Things seem so dark, and I can't seem to catch a break. The, the enemy's out to get me. I'm constantly under attack. Things feel so, so overwhelming. I'm so lonely. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm so dark. I'm trapped in my own mind, and darkness has overcome, and I've accepted my fate that darkness is where I'm to live. See, the problem with darkness and the problem with artificial light are the same thing. They take away our ability to see, recognize, and interact with the true light of Jesus. So the question that I want to pose to you and talk about a little bit today with my remaining time is, when you look at your life today, how much true light are you seeing? How often do you wake up in the morning and you say, Jesus, I can't do today without you. Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. It's not my will, but your will be done. How many times do we pause throughout even, let's be specific, the Christmas season, or even today, Christmas Eve, and getting here to church to celebrate Jesus. Do we take time to say, Jesus, I just, I just need you, I need your light, I need you involved. How much true light do you see in your life? It's my understanding of scripture that it was God's original intent for Jesus to always be the light of the world. Now, I'm not, I promise, trying to just come up here and be a Debbie Downer on Christmas. No offense to anyone named Debbie. It's just a saying. I didn't come up with it. But I believe it's something that God spoke to me. And I believe that it's God's original intent for Jesus to be the light of the world since the very beginning. I want to try to prove that to you a little bit. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we see creation where God, in a point of time, enters time and creates time, and he begins to create the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light. Turn to your neighbor and say, let there be light. And it says, and there was light. And right after it says, and God saw that it was good. This is amazing. Now most of us have either heard this scripture or read this scripture or encountered it in some way. And I want to tell you that we, nine times out of ten, are only going to be able to relate to this scripture to the level of our understanding of what light is. And we have, I think, two primary different types of light. The first one is lightning rod, Benjamin Franklin, Edison with the bulb, and now everything we see here. Obviously, we know that this kind of 
precedes that. They weren't around here in the beginning, and so there was no Alexa or Google here that Jesus and God were in the beginning like, hey, Alexa, let there be light, and then Alexa turned on the lights, right? That did not happen. So there's no artificial light here. The other type of light that we can reference or that we have knowledge of is sunlight. S-U-N, sunlight. And so I think sometimes we read the scriptures like, oh my gosh, in the beginning God said, let there be light. And the sun began to shine. And it, and it separated the day and the night. And now we have all this, this light that is covering. And he said that the light is good. But I want to pose something to you. Because if we read a little further in Genesis, I believe it's verse, what, 14 that we have up there? Let's see. Yeah, 14. So in verse 14, it says, And God said, Let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them sense as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be light in the vault of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. Look over here. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser night to govern the night. He also made the stars. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God says, let there be light. But it's not so Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, that God chose to create the sun. If you know anything about, you know, astrology or space, which I don't, obviously, but uh, the sun is considered a star planets and everything that we see, these exploding gases that we interact with, we see shooting stars and we see constellations and these different things. God didn't create that until verse 16, but he said in verse 3, let there be light and there was light and the light was good. So what light was he talking about? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that the Son of God, Jesus, radiates God's glory and shares with us his image and his likeness to all the earth. It is Jesus' purpose and intent from the very beginning that he would radiate the glory of God, that he would reflect God's glory, and the glory that would reflect off of him would give light and life to the earth. So when we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and he says, let there be light, God is actually saying right now in this moment going forward, let Jesus begin to radiate my glory, and the glory that he radiates from me is what will give light and life to the earth it's always been God's intent for Jesus to be the light of the world because the world was dark formless, void Jesus comes and begins to radiate, God completes creation and he has man and, and God and man have a very interesting relationship throughout the course of the Old Testament find time to dive into the Bible in the Old Testament, you will see that God has this passionate love for his people, but his people at times are all over the place. They love him at some points, they desert him at others, they break his heart time and time again, they beg for him to be their king and free them from slavery just to beg to be slaves again and you know, he looks for righteous people all through the Bible, and he finds people like Moses and Abraham and Isaac and, and Joseph and these different people that he, he gives his word and his life through. Later in the Bible, he begins to only speak through prophets. There was a lot of 
religious steps in place because man was so unclean and God was so holy and it got really dense and really thick and it was very hard. So many steps for us to be forgiven and so many steps for us to encounter God, but it was his intent to be just and it was his attempt to just continue that relationship. But time and time again, we turned our back on him and you get through the course of the Old Testament and you end up seeing at the last book, which is Malachi in the, in the Old Testament, that the Bible says says that after that, for 400 years, there was no God-breathed oracle. In the beginning, God said, let Jesus radiate my glory. The sun radiates God's glory to show us his nature and his character. Jesus has been around from the beginning. God's people had gone so far. They have allowed so much darkness, the Bible says, that they got into all kinds of stuff. Spiritual stuff, not godly stuff. They had begun to allow false light into their life. Other things were illuminating them, making them who they were. Other gods, idols, success, career, goals accomplished, passions. And then there was a group of people who just were in straight darkness, hard hearts towards God, moving further, further away up until a point where God says, I'm not speaking for 400 years. I've, I've known that concept of the Bible for a long time, and maybe some of you sitting in this room, you've heard that as well how between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was this big gap of time where God didn't move, God didn't speak. And it's like this idea that's understanding, but it wasn't until recently that I really started to like think, like, what is that? What does that even mean? Like, what would life be like? And I, I'm so fortunate that I have been able to live in a time, not only when God can speak, but God does speak. Ever since I've been born in my life, you know, 30 years ago, it's not that long, uh, God has moved. God has done miracles. I've seen God show up time and time again. I've seen him restore marriages. I've seen him give hope to the hopeless, heal the sick. I've seen God give vision to people. I've seen God, you know, take care of families. I've seen really bad things happen to people, but then God so graciously helps them through it and heals people. I've seen him be close to the brokenhearted. I've watched God physically in the moment answer prayers, and I've seen God over the course of years respond to the crying hearts of people. God has been so good, and God has been so gracious. I have been very fortunate to interact with God in that, and I'm challenged to believe that that has so much to do with why I actually follow him, but if I put myself in the time period of this gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament, how much of a believer would I actually be, and what would my life look like? What would your life look like if for not a week or a day or a month or a year, but 400 years, generations upon generations, God did not move, did not speak, did not do a thing for you or anyone else on the earth? What would the world look like? It starts to make me think, how much have I taken for granted what God does on a daily basis? Even the things I don't even know about. 400 years, throwing up your best prayer. You have all the Joyce Meyer study guides and nothing. You've watched every Stephen Furtick message and nothing. Nothing. 
crying out to God because your problems are real and the world around you is getting so much darker. Not a peep. God, but I'm just so lonely. God, I need you to fix this. God, thank you for blessing me. God, my business is doing good or my business is doing bad. God, I need vision. Silence. Feeling almost as if a God has turned his back. You can't decipher what is going on because the heaviness. And I would just have to assume, I would have to make the assumption that the world was down a path that was darker than ever. Lonelier than ever. More in a state of depression and an anxiety than ever. Because the God who heals all of that, the God who helps us to overcome those things, was silent. Can we just, can we just imagine your life, like today, like just take a second right now. How different would things be if no prayers were answered? Would we even be here right now? Would we have the faith even to wake up every day and say, okay, maybe today's the day that God begins to speak again? I know 250 years ago, my ancestors told me that he used to move and he used to speak and he took them out of captivity and we've been waiting for 300 years. Maybe tomorrow will be the day that, that my prayer is finally answered. I know that my, my dad died without his prayer answered and, and my grandfather died without his prayers being answered and, and it feels like no one heard, but maybe would we even have the faith? Or would we begin to look for unnatural lighting? Would we begin to just succumb to the darkness that was headed our way in the absence of our God? And the reason I present this to you today is because I, I want to give you a different perspective. And, and I want to I challenge you with this thought. That in order for you to appreciate Christmas light, you have to have a picture of pre-Christmas darkness. And the reason that it's so significant is because light shines brightest in darkest areas. And so in a world for 400 years where fear was overtaking people, and people were so scared, and people were trembling, and everything was bad, and no one had anything good to say, and the people ruling were evil, and evil seemed to have taken so much ground, and it had been going on for generations to generations. Let me tell you, I mean, just imagine, even within yourself, the amount of fear that you would have waking up and walking and going through life with no hope, no joy. I mean, God is the source of all of that, and it's just like he was not speaking. Imagine living a life that way. How would you interact with your children? How would you interact with your parents? Where would you find the faith to be optimistic about anything? And that is happening and it's getting darker and heavier until one night. The Bible tells us that in Bethlehem, away in a manger, the virgin gave birth the Savior of the world. This is what we celebrate. But what happened on that night is so much more than that. And sometimes we don't comprehend that when that baby was born, when Jesus was born, 
the ability to have hope was born. The ability to be saved was born. The ability to put your faith in something was born. God spoke again after 400 years, and his word was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. There was no, there was no ability to have hope for tomorrow before Jesus. There was no ability to put your faith in something for a better day. There was, no, there was no restoration. There was no healing. There was no movement. There was no vision. That was all born through the person of Jesus. We stand here today sometimes and we take for granted so much the light, the true light, because we've just experienced it our whole life. We've been able to just go to God whenever we wanted as if God is our Alexa or God is our Google and say, hey, God, I need this from you now. Hey, God, this is what my life is calling for in this moment. And I think the more that we inundate ourselves with unnatural lighting and we succumb to the theology that, that God just does what we want when we want, we lose touch. We have light pollution in our life to the point that where we look up sometimes and we can't even see those stars anymore. This is just what God is walking me through in my own personal life, but I want to get back to a place where I just need Jesus. Where the true light is the brightest light. And if you're sitting in here today and life feels dark, that's okay. Because I believe that it is in darkness where the true light shines the brightest. And my heart and my prayer today for me and for everybody here and everybody watching online is that regardless of where we are in our life, what we're experiencing, whether amazing or whether terrible, that we would be reminded that on that night, a true light was given. The light of the world the light that brings life, the light that once again began to radiate God's glory. And now you, your life and my life look completely different. That night, everything changed. It's, it's hard for us to comprehend, you know? It's like, it's like trying to convince someone who's lived their whole life breathing air, that, that there was a time where it was not possible to breathe air. I mean, because we, we have just been so blessed with this relationship with God. But if we could reflect for a moment and understand that on Christmas night, what we celebrate is the coming of the fullness of the glory of God and the ability for God's glory to radiate through the earth once again. And it came through a child named Jesus. And now because Jesus is here, our life is so different. And every time we look at a Christmas light or we look at a light bulb, we need to be reminded of the light that came to save 
earth to save me and to save you. That Jesus is not just the reason for the season. Jesus is the ability for seasons in general. Every atom, every molecule, everything that we breathe, every fiber of our being exists within him. All of time, all of energy, all, everything science can try to think up or write down only exists because God allows it to and we interact with that God because of the person of Jesus. The chasm had become so far. It was too deep and too far and too wide for us to ever come to God. But Jesus, in the form of a baby on Christmas night, stepped in and said, I will redeem them and I will begin the great plan of God. And this is what we celebrate on Christmas. And if it's become about anything else, why don't we refocus? Our attention, our time, our energy, our hope. Because I realize that I'm talking to two groups of people here. One of them is filled with natural light, and one of them thinks feels so dark. But can I tell you the true light is the solution for both. I'm going to pray for you right now. We're going to do something a little different. I want to pray for you, and at the conclusion of my prayer, I'm going to ask that maybe we would just shut the lights off. And I want us to just sit in darkness to try to get a bit of an idea of those 400 years. And during that darkness, I want to ask that you open up your eyes, your ears, your mind, and your heart to see and interact with and experience the true light of Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you that you came in that little old town, in that little old major wrapped in swaddling clothes, God, but you were not just a baby. You were the light of the world. God, I pray right now that you would just remind us of your light, the power that's in your light, the power to restore, the power to heal, the, not just heal one, but heal the world and save the world, God. Reshift our focus to be so consumed with you, not with extracurriculars, not with the darkness of the world or the other lights or school or work or holiday bonuses or gifts or presents. God, that we would just take a moment, if not in here, then where? To just focus on the light gives life, the light that is named Jesus. Show us Jesus, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we just pray, Holy Spirit, you show us Jesus right now. Let's reflect.
darkness has taken the ground. God broken hearted, our Father. We walked around with no light, fourth vision inside. Lost wonders, our Father. But then with His holy light, God broke the curse of the night. For all in darkness, our Father, proclaiming freedom for all. This is a day of the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, 
or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.